Coffee Time Wednesday. Peyton, hit us. All right, we're back with another Coffee Time Wednesday with myself, your favorite host, Nicholas Lirio, his co-host, Ken Boucher, and mm-hmm. the co-host, Peyton Scandridge. Do He's guys, the Brock Purdy of this podcast. Do your guys' moms <laughs> listen to this podcast? No. Because mine does not. And I, I feel like we could double our viewership if all three of our moms <laughs> <laughs> listen to this podcast. Well, hey, I will say this. Uh, my father-in-law listens because he uh, caught the uh, reference that we talked about where we were talking about how we name our grandparents. Thanks, Peepaw. Uh, Jim Paw. Jim Paw. Peepaw would be a level 10 on the uh, <laughs> spectrum of uh, needy G-paw, grandparent my names. goodness. Wow. Well, what'd you guys, what'd you boys bring to the table this time? Uh, I was, I was debating all week uh, if I wanted to go like boring and educational or something uh, kind of pizzazzy. And last week I was kind of boring when I talked about the corn snow fence thing, but interesting, good topic to talk about nonetheless. So this week, I'm uh, going back to something that's, you know, just cool to learn about. And that is, I I was reading an article last night, a popular mechanics article on the de-extinction of mammoths. Now, this has been something that's been talked about for quite some time. Uh, Probably really, I would say everyone's probably heard that story uh, I think you're just talking the, about Night at the Museum. Is this like Jurassic Park? But it, well, it, less cool? Yes, <laughs> yes. Very similar to Jurassic Park type situation here. And it's been talked about probably the last five years in mainstream media circles. But I uh, just read the article and it says it actually puts a date on it. Within four years, there's a uh, corporation, I believe, based out of Dallas, who uh, is, you know, they got the they got the money to do this genetic engineering where they're going to uh we have enough available mammoth dna to where we can splice in some of the genes that are different from the uh asian elephant which is according to the article a 99.6 percent uh genome match to a you know that that corporation is a villain in a bond movie right like for sure they are <laughs> or, villains there's or, or no like splicing in dna like that's like the peyton, good guy yeah like what peyton said like could be in jurassic park or whatever but anyways they're they're very close to being able to uh splice in that dna from the woolly mammoth into the uh genome of an asian elephant so they'll be able to create a lab-grown embryo and then they will take that embryo, insert it into a uh, female Asian elephant, so she'll be like the surrogate mother for this lab-grown embryo, and uh, give birth to a woolly mammoth. Now, here's where this gets interesting as far as conservation goes. A lot of people are claiming, and I need to do more research on this because I haven't heard a clear explanation, um, but they're claiming that bringing woolly mammoths back to that kind of tundra boreal forest uh, ecosystem that it would help with uh, climate change. Somehow their influence as a grazer in that type of 
habitat and, and maybe even boreal forest is probably too far north uh i think they're more of like a, a like a savanna prairie type species it's believed so so somewhere in that like just south of the tundra line they would help expand that habitat i don't know how other than maybe looking at what we've talked about with buffalo before how they were just such a huge influence on prairie that it's believed that that uh mammoths kind of had a similar role so there's hope that recreating the uh woolly mammoth through genetic engineering and a surrogate elephant mother that we could uh, help climate change. Wow. Um, I, I know that humans have like been playing God for thousands of years, but my goodness, that is so. Yeah. And, and I mean like Peyton jokes, but there's, there are a lot of, you know, problems that could come from that. I mean, who's to say that if you brought a mammoth back from extinction, it would even know it would even have the instinct to survive in such an ecosystem. You know, how much of that, the old nature versus nurture conversation, how much of that was taught to them by the, the parent, you know, mammoth to the baby mammoth, you know, Buffalo do that for sure. I feel like that mammoth is going to have a very sad life. Well, that yeah. leads into exactly what I'm going to talk about, which is an invasive species <laughs> to Canada now. Wild hog. Humans? Oh. No, super. <laughs> back super. on the wild hog. We're thing. back on the wild hogs. <laughs> so, Peyton the, is declaring war on the wild hog. No, I just thought it was interesting because I was going to share something lame about like wild hog contraceptives, but that's boring. Mm. No one wants to talk about that. Um, anyways, in the 1980s, there was a big push for Canada to like bring in like wild hogs and ostriches into really? their agriculture. So beautiful. They got a bunch of farmers would get like wild hogs from Europe and raise them on farms. They didn't survive well in the cold environment, so they bred them with like domesticated pigs to make a you could call it a super hog, if you will. Which Hogzilla. Yeah, yeah, but like a bigger hog that's hardier and can survive in the in the cold environment in Canada. What could go wrong? What could go wrong, right? Anyways, the market crashed on these things, right? This is all this is all real. It's an issue. And farmers that had these hogs couldn't sell them, so what do you do with a Animal oh you can't sell goodness. and don't want to feed. I've always wondered how they had wild hogs in Canada because I knew they were there, but so they just released just, them all. They, they let them out. That is bonkers. But my goodness, now, that's like the boa constrictor this pythons. Is, this of Florida. is more interesting to yeah. me than the woolly mammoth. Yeah, yeah, this is this is now an issue because these pigs can survive in the cold environment, and basically they're getting closer and closer to the United States and. According to this article I read. Build a um, wall. Build the, a wall. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> the experts are My saying, goodness, like, hey, yeah. we're at the like critical mass point where it's almost too late to deal with the wild pigs in Canada. But wow. now they're at the point where, like, shoot, it's getting kind of close to the U.S. And obviously, there's not a ton of border control on the U.S. to where you just, like, shoot the pig, oh, which man. everyone in Canada was, at first was like, cool, we get to hunt wild hogs. But now it's. It's an issue. Wow. So apparently they're not good enough at hunting up there to take care of. Well, that's not true. That's 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 not true. They're they're good. They're, they're good hunters. hunters okay. North, but uh, pigs are just one of nature's like trump cards. You know, <laughs> what? They, when pigs just <laughs> humans you, are taking over. You know what yeah. Mother Nature said? She said, "I raise you a wild hog." Yes, exactly. You just can't beat the wild hog. They. 
they dig in and they stay there forever. They're kind of like coyotes and raccoons. You just, yeah. they just explode once they're given given the chance. So this is why I don't think it's a good idea to give Russia a Asian elephant woolly mammoth combination. But on to Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna be like like the Lord of the Rings, just riding elephants on when all their tanks are destroyed. Yeah, man. Well, they're invading. Might, might, you know, the woolly mammoth might be able to navigate those beaver marshes up in the yeah. yeah. It's an issue. It could be a problem. The, yeah. the, the, why why use tanks when you have like mother flipping mammoth? <laughs> Gosh darn, dude. Okay, I just for the record, everybody listening to the podcast, we give a lot of true information, but a lot of what we're saying is a joke. So. So, or conjecture. Or conjecture. Yes. Just just leave it at that. Uh, do not be writing essays based on what we're saying <laughs> on this podcast. No, no. We're, we're better than Wikipedia. I'll put that out there right now. We stand <laughs> up to any fact checker you could find. Well, we, we do research what we what topic we bring to the table, uh, but then we it's all hands off deck. So um, the topic I had was much more boring. I was going to talk about land prices because I saw this article that even though in Iowa land is getting over $20,000 an acre Man. for cropland, that uh, there's still yet to be an auction that didn't sell. Wow. There's still like, because I guess it used to be well, prices would get high enough. Well, eh, maybe they just wouldn't, they would stop buying. And so the free market would help. But, but with um, investments going crazy right now, you got enough multimillionaires and billionaires that are just like oh yeah I'll, I'll i know that it's it's crazy but land always gives a return it might take 20 years but it always gives a return mm. uh and so i'm wondering what that will do but if um i think we've talked about this on the podcast there's a lot of synthetic farming happening right now so synthetic milk it's the exact same like if you if you put that milk and another milk in a container and tested its chemistry makeup They'd be the exact same. They taste the exact same. Wouldn't be any difference. Same hormones, but it's just made in a vat in a garage, it's not a, it's, actually it's in a la- garage. It's lab grown instead of yep. cow grown. And, and they're actually able to do that with meat. And I know tons of people are like, "Man, that's so disgusting. I'll never eat that. Give it twenty years." Everyone says, "Oh, that's terrible. I'm never going to change. I like the way you know." So when the price goes down two bucks a gallon, you'll be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it tastes great." Yeah, when the milk's ninety nine cents well, a gallon. Well, and how? How people consume things that they, if that was laid out before them and they would reject it, if you go to Taco Bell and get a burrito and it's made out of that, you're not even going to know. And so yep. the market the market will silently grow. They're putting even, microchips. And for the record, I'm I'm a person that has zero interest in eating lab-grown uh, yep. <laughs> uh, uh, groceries. But... Uh, I I would admit too that I don't do all my research if I go to a drive through or something like that. Yeah, so it could easily be sold to me already. That's why if you live in Iowa, you need to be going to Fairway. They get they got some good meats there. But I, so I would I if if you had the same price, if it was the same price, you had two gallons of milk. I am for sure getting the cow's milk for sure. I actually really also enjoy goat's milk, but I I'd probably get the cow's milk. Well, if if one of them's three seventy five and the other one's a dollar twenty five. And I'm not, and they taste the same. My goodness, my Oreos are going to be fine. They're going to be fine with <laughs> discount milk, and my Lucky Charms is going to be fine with some discount milk. Uh, another thing is that money almost always wins, which is something we are fighting right now as a conservation group. Uh, so I'm bringing up a lot of different points. I'm not. I'm not going towards a specific point. Just saying, there's a lot of things to think about uh, other than the the vat that this milk was 
grown in. That being said, if you are a synthetic milk company and you are looking for a sponsor to push your cause, then call us. We we do take donations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a sponsor, someone to sponsor. But no, no uh, uh, I so I'm probably the old school voice here. I'd I'd still want the uh, uh, cow grown, and I'd like to support small dairy operations and stuff like that. Yeah. However. Um, to Nick's point, I can see how we've already changed public mindset on so many of these things in the past. And I think you're probably right, Nick. It's it's just a matter of a generation or two before people would, oh, wouldn't yeah. even think about it. It's a matter of a generation or two before we're just the people in Wally, man. Have you, <laughs> have you guys had the – this is kind of on the same subject. I don't know where we're at for time. Have you guys had the Impossible Whopper? Is I have it good? not. It, I haven't. I, is that the one made out of vegetables or is it lab grown? It was. I think it's lab grown, okay. um, but I'm not sure. Um, it It's good. It's just a little drier than their regular burger. Um, it was interesting. I'd be like, think sometime we need to do maybe on this podcast like a taste test of if we could get it synthetic milk. Plant-based. Meat. It's plant-based. Yeah. If we could get like some of the synthetic stuff in here and do a, a taste test to see what we. What differences we notice. Yeah. Like a blind taste test yeah that would be fun i'd i'd, I'd be game to try that sometime i'd, I'd, I'd but be down. if you're listening support your small farmer find that organic dairy producer find the uh find the guy who's getting it done on 120 acres and support him hey hey let's circle around i i'm with that kent i'm with that but this all went back to land prices because <laughs> if all of a sudden uh, synthetic things are being made in a lab and they don't need land to make them well man my goodness land prices may plummet now you're talking a generation away, but still, it's it's interesting because land has always gone up, uh, but since the '80s, we haven't seen a dive that is big as this potential one could. Sometimes be. it goes down really quick. Yeah, no, when it goes down, it, it goes down quick. Uh, same with housing markets; uh, they go up, they go up, they go up, and then uh, and then they die. Crash, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. I I think you make a good point there, Nick, and how that could shape. Uh, the landscape literally in the future. Yeah, maybe. And and so there's potential for more conservation because if we don't need the land for other things, what like, what do you do with it? Yeah, We don't want it to be public land, but private cons- conserved land. That's fun. I'd be okay with it being public land too. No, you don't want the <laughs> government owning that much land. Why? Then I get to access it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. I don't, lots of people owning their stuff and, and treating it well. Yeah, that is the best. Yep. Optimal. For sure. Optimal. Man, we covered it in less than 15 minutes. Awesome. Nick, take us out. You made us. No, no. (laughs) I took us out. You made us nervous with your little. It's an absolute cutoff at uh, 15 minutes. We've got two seconds left. Peyton, hit us. How appropriate. (laughs) Hoxie.